بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد إن الشيطان لكم عدو إن الشيطان لكم عدو فاتخذوه عدوا وقال الله تعالى إن كيد الشيطان كان ضعيفا Our dear friends, dear listeners, we continue with our series on the hikam of Ibn Ata'illah with the commentary called Ikmalu Shiyam. So today we are on hikmah number 236. It's a very interesting hikmah. Number 236, the aphorism says, إِذَا عَلِمْتَ فَلَا تَغْفُلْ أَنْتَ عَمَّا عَمَّا النَّاصِيَتُكَ بِيَدِهِ إِذَا عَلِمْتَ أَنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ لَا تَغْفُلُ عَنْكَ إِذَا عَلِمْتَ أَنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ لَا يَغْفُلُ عَنْكَ فَلَا تَغْفُلْ أَنْتَ عَمَّا النَّاصِيَتُكَ بِيَدِهِ Very interesting. If you do not, if you, if you know that the devil does not forget you, then do not forget for your part him who has your forelock in his hand. If you know that the, def, the devil does never forget you, then make sure that you do not, for your part, forget the one who has your forelock in his hand. Now that's not too complicated, that's actually a very, very important clarification. The, vir- the virtue, the excellence of these hikam of Ibn Ata'illah is that anybody who understands them will eventually, through understanding them one by one, they'll actually get a much better understanding of their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the way they should worship Him, the objective of the worship, the purpose uh, for which we worship Him, and that way we'll be able to refine our worship because you get an understanding of what is all of this about, you know, what, why do we worship Him? If anybody who understands this book, anybody who understands this book, they, should, they will move away from just ritualistic worship, right, to really worshipping for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It makes a big difference. I mean, just understand this one. What he's saying in here is that you should know, and you should know this because, and I'll tell you why, but once you know that shaitan is never going to be negligent of you, he's always going to be on your case, then the one thing that you need to do, as far as possible, for your part, is that you do not be negligent of Allah. You do not be forgetful of Allah. Because that's the only way that you're going to protect yourself against the shaitan. So, the idea of this, just to give you a brief idea, is that when any human being is born, as soon as they come into this world, then a shaitan is, according to the hadith of Sahih Muslim, a shaitan is allotted for each person. Right? So there's a specific shaitan for every single individual. It's not one shaitan for ten people. So the next ten births this shaitan will have? No. It's one individual shaitan for each person. So he's not one shaitan trying to run around and, and, uh, misguide, uh, and, and misguide about five, ten different people. Right? And then he may miss somebody out in that. No. It's one shaitan to the person and he's been with us. And this sounds quite, I mean, this sounds quite awful. He's been with us from birth. 
So he knows more about us than anybody else. And anybody who's been with us from birth, you'd expect that they will know everything about us. Meaning things that we do, our traits, the way we react to certain things, our sensitivities, our pitfalls, our vulnerabilities, our weaknesses, clearly. And that's how shaitan basically exploits us by knowing our vulnerabilities. So that's why he's saying that Allah tells us in the Quran that you need to understand shaitan, you need to take him as your enemy. So that's why he's saying if you know the devil does not forget you, then make sure that you on your part do not forget Allah who has your forelocks in his hand, which means you are in totally in Allah's control. So you need to at least remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So based on this now, we're going to try to understand this better. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through his divine wisdom of the way he wants this world to operate, the environment he's created here for the good and bad to be in front of us, reminding us of the good and telling us to do the good and avoiding the bad. So the bad influence is the shaitan. So Allah has created not just the insan, but he's also created this ego and this passion within us, which sometimes just misaligns our understanding. So the shaitan and the nafs. And number three, basically when other people act like the shaitan, or when we act like shaitan for others. So evil comes through three different ways, through the nafs, through the shaitan himself, or through other people, through other people who act like barriers from the path of Allah who take us away from virtue, who mislead us, who challenge us, who harm us in different ways. So all of these three categories of beings, they're basically standing in front of the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imagine that. They're like those that you have to cross right, to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nobody is able to get into the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until they manage to overcome this. So imagine it's like a computer game where you have to deal with the people first, you have to deal with the shaitan, you have to deal with your nafs, and then eventually you get to your target, you get to your goal. So you have to deal with all of the enemy in between. So you have to overcome them because they're basically standing in front of the door and they are stopping people from going in. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala basically has told these people that you do not let anybody come in unless they're able to overcome you. It's almost like that. that. That's how Allah has set it up. right? Not out of mischief for us, but just so that we can remain firm because that's the best way to remain, remain firm. And if we're able to do this properly, that means we'll be a better human being in the world anyway. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has kind of set it up in a way that do not let anybody come in unless they're able to overcome you three groups of people. So they've stood at the door. Now anybody who wants to come in, the first line of defense, so-called the first line of fitna is generally people. That's where we get the biggest issues from. Right? We had a discussion about that in another aphorism last week. But in general, we see that a lot of challenges to us, we know that from experience, comes from people. So they're going to st stand in our path. Now, if we're able to overcome that for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then after that will come the shaitan directly. And what the shaitan does? Shaitan causes problems in another way. Shaitan will say that, oh, it takes too long to do your worship. It's too cold today. It's too difficult to go to the masjid. It's too difficult to pray at home. It's too difficult to 
take time off work, to ask your boss for leave, to find a prayer room, to find a place to pray when you're shopping. This is the shaitan that comes and gives you all of these ideas. Then he says, if you're going to do that, you're going to miss out on this deal. If you uh, act in an Islamic way, if they find out you're a Muslim, then you may not get a job. So he's going to try to warn you. Uh, he's going to try to mislead you by making you feel like you're going to become poor. You're not going to get a job. And some, in some places, this stuff has become institutionalized. For example, in the case where in some communities, you have to have a degree to get married. Or you have to have a medical degree to get married. And subhanAllah, there's people who are suffocating within those, within those families or those communities. Right? Which leads them to do haram. Because if they're not very good students and they can't become a doctor, then what happens is that they, they get frustrated. They have this whole antagonism towards their society. And then they start doing all of these bad things. So that's another way shaitan does it. So he'll, he'll, give you, he'll, give you, uh, he'll, he'll give you the fear of, of poverty. And he'll say that when is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala going to open? Look how difficult it is. You've made tawbah last week. You know, you, you, you thought you were okay after that, but now you've messed up again. Uh, how is Allah going to ever forgive you? Am I ever going to be forgiven? These kind of ideas that he puts out to you. Uh, maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't happen. He just, no determination. He's here to create problems. Now, if a person overcomes the shaitan as well, then there's still another enemy, which is the third line of defense. And that is basically the nafs now. We love ourselves more than we can see shaitan as an enemy, although we don't see him, but we can get an idea. We can see people. But our own nafs is so close to us, so basically it's just like we love our nafs. So for that, it's, the nafs will say, كَيْفَ تَتْرُكْ دُنْيَاك وَجَاهَكْ وَعِزَّكْ إِلَى شَيْءٍ يَكُونْ أَوْ لَا يَكُونْ how are you going to leave this honor that you've got by doing the right thing, right? Uh, uh, th this honor that you have by you keep doing the wrong thing, that's how you get this honor, right? Now if you try to do the right thing, you're going to lose your honor. You're going to lose your respect. You're going to lose this job. You're going to lose the dunya. We're not going to get enough money. The, the, the nafs has been spoilt like that and corrupted by the shaitan. So even though shaitan may not be telling us this, and that's what we're going to experience in Ramadan when the shayateen are locked up. We're still going to feel like doing things. But remember, in Ramadan, whatever you feel like doing wrong, then it's generally a habit. You'll hardly ever feel like doing something new wrong in Ramadan because shayateen are not supposed to be around. Whatever you do still feel like doing wrong, those are habits. And that's what Ramadan is there for, the 29, 30 days, so that we can kick those habits by learning to control ourselves after a few days that we avoid doing those things. That's the point of Ramadan is to eradicate the problem with the nafs. So anyway, if a person then finally overcomes their nafs as well, which is quite a difficult journey, then finally Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell them, Marhaban bik wa ahlan, ahlan wa sahlan. Basically, now you are welcome. And Allah is there to welcome us. You've passed your test, and Allah is there to welcome us. That's His way in the world. I know some people may be thinking in their mind, why does Allah make it like that? That place is paradise where there'll be no fitna, there'll be no challenges, it'll just be pure bliss and pure hospitality from our Lord. In this world, He wants to do it this way, right? Whether we like it or not, you can question Him as much as you want, won't make a difference. We're going to have to resign, right? Death is inevitable. We're going to have to resign to that fact. There's no point protesting these things, right? It's foolishness to protest this, right? In fact, it's another deception of shaitan, to be honest, to feel like, why is it like that? Couldn't it have been this way? Couldn't it have been this way? 
Why, if God is merciful, then it could be, it should have been this way, it should have been that way. These are just futile arguments. It's the way it is. It is the way it is, and we have to get the best understanding, which is the Islamic understanding, to understand it the way it is. Otherwise, any other idea is just whimsical. It's just fantastical. It doesn't work. So finally, when a person, Allah will welcome them, that person will start tasting the pleasures of being closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They will feel a sweetness. They will have the taste of faith. They will, they, they will enjoy it. And Allahu Akbar, according to the, those who've passed this path, they say that Wallahi ma raja'a man raja'a illa min tariq Wa amma man wasal fala yarja'a. That anybody who's failed, he's probably never gotten to Allah. Those who failed, they failed on the path. They may have gotten very far on the path, you know, these, the path with these three things in between. They may have gotten very far, nearly towards the end. But if they fail, then they failed on the path. Once you've reached the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah takes care of you because you become a wali of Allah. Hadith in Bukhari, etc. make it very clear that once a person gets close enough to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, enters his presence with the, uh, the fard and the nawafil, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala divinely protects them. With the hands by which the person touches and the feet and so on, uh, that person gets, uh, get, uh, it benefits from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's protection. Now, once you've understood this, right, that shaitan is never going to be heedless from us because there's, remember, one shaitan to each person. That's his full-time job. There's no sleeping time for shaitan. We need sleep. Human enemies need to sleep. But believe me, shaitan doesn't need to sleep. He's constantly on our case 24-7. Right? So, the reason why he, the, the scholars say that لا يغفل عنك and even for a moment, the shaitan will not be distracted from you. The shaitan locates a place at the left-hand left hand side of our heart. فَإِذَا غَفَلْتَ عَنْ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ وَسْوَسْ As soon as you become, as soon as you do not have Allah in your mind, as soon as you become occupied from thinking about Allah, then shaitan will start his whispering. وَإِذَا ذَكَرْتَ اللَّهِ إِنْ خَنَسْ But as soon as you remember Allah, you say, Subhanallah. Wow, that Allah created that so beautifully. Thank you Allah that I receive this. Right? You're in your business and you receive the order, you receive the customer, you say, Alhamdulillah. That's a dhikr of Allah, shaitan goes away. Now if you get excited, right, for the wrong reasons, and you think it's all you're doing, right, and you don't remember Allah, the shaitan will become part of this. That's where you don't get barakah and so on as well. فَإِذَا عَلِمْتَ ذَلِكْ فَلَا تَغْفُلْ أَنْتَ عَمَّا النَّاصِيَتُكَ وَنَّاصِيَتُهُ بِيَدِهِ وَهُوَ الْحَقُّ تَعَالَى That's why once you understand this, once you understand this, to make sure then that you do not ever become Negligent of Allah, always remember Him somehow or the other. Always have Him at, at, in the forefront, always, right? And that, as I said, that doesn't have to be doing some kind of dhikr all the time. It could just be about thinking about Allah. That's a dhikr as well. Because shaitan is never going to be too busy to work on you. So that's why the only way we know that, we know from there as well, that shaitan only recedes and retreats when you remember Allah. So that way you cannot afford to remain 
without the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all times, so that shaitan stays at bay. Because when you do that, when you say, فَإِذَا شَغَلْتَ بِاللَّهِ When you become occupied with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in whatever way, رَدَّهُ عَنْكَ He's the one who's going to remove him from you, the shaitan. وَكَفَاكَ أَمْرًا He's going to suffice you with the matter of shaitan. You basically just have to outsource to Allah. You remember Allah and Allah will sort him out. That's why, that is why the verse says, إِنَّ كَيْدَ الشَّيْطَانِ كَانَ ضَعِيفًا That the ploys and plots of shaitan, his strategies, they are very weak. The reason they're very weak is that you've got a very easy way of defense. Dhikr of Allah. Just Allahu Akbar. La ilaha illallah. All praise to Allah. Just thinking about Allah, shaitan is gone. There's no way. He just fizzles out. As soon as you do, you just remember Allah. You just put Allah in your heart somehow or the other. Any mention of Allah. It doesn't even have to be with your tongue. In fact, it's more powerful in your heart. Shaitan goes. There's no other way to do it. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes that very clear in another verse in Surah Fatir. إِنَّ شَيْطَانَ لَكُمْ عَدُوٌ فَاتَّخِذُوهُ عَدُوًا Shaitan is your enemy, clear enemy. So make sure you treat him as your enemy. And the way you treat somebody as your enemy is that you find the best strategy to overcome your enemy. So now you've got different people now. They've looked at this verse. They know, Muslims generally know that shaitan is their enemy. right? Some people, they just forget. Now there's another group of people who try to do something about it. Once they understand that shaitan is their enemy, they then occupy themselves in fighting the shaitan. They occupy themselves in fighting the shaitan because they think he's an enemy, so let me fight my enemy. So what the shayukh tell us, right? the ex experts in this subject, they tell us, the, those who've had the experience, they're saying that you're wasting your time. Because what's going to happen is that when you get too occupied in fighting the shaitan, you're going to miss out on creating love for your beloved, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who's the one in whose hand is all defense. So you're wasting your time. That's another ploy of shaitan to engage you in a fight with him to miss out the bigger idea, the bigger purpose, the larger purpose in life. That's why the other group who've understood this properly, that they've understood shaitan to be an enemy, but then they say that they know, and Allah speaks to them and tells them, وَأَنَا لَكُمْ حَبِيبٌ I am your beloved. I am your beloved. So they basically become more occupied. They forget the shaitan. They focus on Allah. They become occupied with developing the love for the beloved one and he suffices and he keeps the shaitan at bay. So don't worry about the shaitan. Focus on Allah and the shaitan will be away from you. There's no other way to mess with the shaitan. You just have to focus on Allah. He takes care of him. He fizzles out. Another great shaykh who's got a lot of experience, he says, that for you to demonstrate full enmity towards your enemy is to actually become more beloved and get closer to their enemy who is, who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when you become occupied with the enemy of your enemy, then actually if you get focused on the enemy, then you're going to lose out your real friend who can really help you. Rather, focus on getting a strong friend that can assist you against your enemy. That's why some of the mashayikh, when they, they've been consulted by individuals who 
are being harmed by, by other folk. So for example, Sheikh uh, Abdul Wahab al-Sha'rani, he had a sheikh, uh, in, he had a sheikh in, I think in Morocco, and he complained to him in his early days probably he complained to him. Sheikh Sha'rani is a major, major, major uh, sheikh uh, who's, who's from Egypt. So he had a sheikh in, in, the, in the West, in, in Maghrib. So he complained to him once that, you know, I've got people who bother me all the time. So the sheikh wrote back to him and he said, لا تشتغل بمن يؤذيك قط. Don't get occupied with these people who are saying things about you, who are harming you in these ways. Don't, don't, just, just don't try to respond to them, right? وَاشْتَغِلْ بِاللَّهِ You focus, you get occupied with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You make your du'as to Allah, you cry to Allah, you seek your refuge in Allah, you seek your defense through Allah. Focus on Allah, get on Allah's side. يَرُدُّهُ عَنْكَ And Allah will remove them for you. And this is, this is the case in which so many people who want to get close to Allah and people will start causing problems because shaitan just ups the ante in that case. And then they, people get involved with people to respond to them. Right? And because of that, so many people make a massive mistake and they get, in, they get involved in trying to respond and everything like that. And then it just becomes worse and you could end up actually committing a sin if you, if you do any excess in that regard. Had they just returned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah would have sufficed them. عنهم, and Allah would have removed those enemies from them. And that's what, that is basically the message of that Shaykh to Shaykh Sha'arani as well. That's why Shaykh Zarruq, another great scholar of North Africa, he said, وَإِنَّمَا يَنْدَفِعُ الشَّيْطَانُ بِالتَّوَكُّلِ وَالْإِيمَانِ Shaytan can be thwarted and gotten rid of through two things. One is tawakkul on Allah, reliance on Allah, and strong faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Basically, just focus on improving your faith and your reliance in Allah. That's why Allah says in Surah An-Nahl, إِنَّهُ لَيْسَ لَهُ سُلْطَانٌ عَلَى الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ يَتَوَكَّلُونَ This is taken from a verse by Sheikh Zarruq. It's taken from a verse of the Qur'an. Allah says that shaitan has no power has no control, has no, no, no power against those who believe, who have iman, and who rely upon their Lord, who have tawakkul on their Lord. That's why another great scholar said, Dhunnun Misri, his name was, he said, إِن كَانَ هُوَ يَرَانَا مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا نَرَاهُ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يَرَاهُ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَرَى اللَّهُ فَاسْتَعِنْ بِاللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ Wonderful way to explain the, the, the relationship of shaitan. So he basically says that shaitan can see us and we can't see him. Right? We're visible to shaitan, but shaitan is not visible to us. Whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees him. So he is visible to shaitan, but Allah is not visible to him. So we can't see shaitan, he can see us. Shaitan can't see Allah, but Allah can see him. So just seek assistance in Allah because Allah can see him, Allah knows about him and everything. We can't see him, so it's very, very difficult. That's why whoever recognizes Allah and whoever connects themselves with Allah, then shaitan is literally going to fizzle out through the light of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why the only one that you will need to focus on and know and get to know more through his names and the Quran and so on is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why uh, there's been groups of people who worked on this and when they were asked about shaitan, they said, نَحْنُ قَوْمٌ لَا نَعْرِفُ الشَّيْطَانِ 
Where are people we don't even know who shaitan is? Meaning, we don't deal with shaitan. We don't know who shaitan is. So then somebody said that doesn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mention shaitan in the Quran? How can you not know about shaitan? Like, take this, you know, with some context, right? So they said, Ajal, yes, of course. He's definitely mentioned in the Quran. It's part of our theology that shaitan exists. وَلَكِنْ إِشْتَغَلْنَا بِاللَّهِ فَكَفَانَا أَمْرَهِ حَتَّى نَسِينَا Right? What we did was we occupied ourselves in getting closer to Allah and trying to remembering Him more and to obey Him. And Allah then, Allah then sufficed us everything to do with shaitan. So we were no longer influenced by Him until we actually even forgot that He's around. وَبِاللَّهِ التوفيق. And only Allah provides this divine enablement. So that, that is uh, a very important understanding. Let me, let me just read for you what Shaykh Abdullah Gangohi says, how he explains this hikam and how he clarifies it before I move on to the next section. He says, O believer and O traveler, you are aware that Allah Most High has informed you that the devil is perpetually scheming to deviate and destroy you. Allah Most High mentions the devil's vow in the Quran that he shall most certainly come to us from in front of us, from behind us, on our right side and on our left side. He vowed to attack the servants of Allah from every side in an attempt to mislead them. Your plan to thwart the devil should be your alertness. You should not be neglectful of your master in whose power is your life. Supplicate to him because only he can save you from your enemy. That's why the people of Allah, they don't bother with the shaitan anymore. They don't get obsessed about the shaitan. That's why all of these people, they're looking at Illuminati and all of this kind of stuff. While it's un understandable that we need to be aware. But to get really obsessed with these things, what you do is it gets so obsessive that you actually forget about Allah. That Allah is the only solution to these problems anyway. All of this makes it very clear. This verse of Surah An-Nahl is very telling that shaitan has no power over those who believe and who rely on their Lord. So that's why Sheikh Zarruq says that all you need is Iman and Tawakkul. That is what you need to increase, but those are tough. It's actually easier to do online uh, research, YouTube videos, and, just keep, and you think you're actually helping the deen by doing that sometimes. As I said, it's okay to be aware, but to really get obsessive about that, just watch hours and hours of different shaitani plots and, and so on, just focus on Allah, that, that, is, that is easier. Right, so then he carries on and then he says, okay, then why did Allah, I mean the question that arises here then is that if the nafs and the shaitan are your enemies, then why did Allah create them? Why did Allah create the shaitan? What's the purpose of that? What is the purpose of creating your nafs? I mean, he doesn't answer the question of why did Allah create the third line of defense or the, you know, the, the people who bother you first, right? Because we obviously know that the benefits that come from people, we need people to live with. That's we're a person as well. So, but it's, the question is about shaitan. So then he says, جَعَلَهُ لَكَ عَدُوًّا لِيُ... No. لِيَحُوشَكَ بِهِ إِلَيْهِ جَعَلَهُ لَكَ عَدُوًّا لِيَحُوشَكَ بِهِ إِلَيْهِ وَحَرَّكَ عَلَيْكَ النَّفْسِ لِيَدُومَ إِقْبَالُكَ عَلَيْهِ He made the devil your enemy so that through him he could drive you towards himself. Shaitan is actually used by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to drive people to him, to Allah. And he stirred up your soul against you so that your drawing near to him would be permanent. That needs to be thought about. That's not easy to understand intuitively just like that. 
So we have to explain that. We're probably only going to have time for the first one today. So the idea here is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the devil your enemy. Right? Made the devil your enemy so that he could drive you towards him. What exactly does that mean? So essentially, if we look at this, Allah, uh, the first thing we have to understand from a meta understanding is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not created anything in this world with no utility. Like just futile. Nothing. There's nothing futile in this world. Everything has a purpose. Sometimes we get it, sometimes we don't. Right? But everything has a purpose. So then what is the purpose of shaitan? See, Allah says in Surah Ali Imran, Rabbana, ma khalaqta hadha batila. Subhanak. Subhanak. That's those who know Allah, they finally say, Ya Allah, they can, they can then eventually see the purpose of Allah in everything. So they're the ones who then finally have to declare that our Lord, you have not created anything here void, anything redundant, anything without purpose or without utility. May you be purified of all, you know, anything that is below your position. There's several different reasons for shaitan. Number one, when you know shaitan, when you know he's an enemy, when you know anybody's enemy, when there's an enemy, I mean, this, this is used by politicians all the time. You, if they don't have an enemy, they'll create an enemy so they can get something else done. That's the nature of the world, in fact, right? Enemies are really powerful. The enemy may not be powerful, but somebody who bigs up the enemy, magnifies the enemy, they can get a lot done by forcing you to do something else. That's very negative, though. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the shaitan. One of the purpose is to drive people to him. Why? Because human knows they're weak. I've been fighting against the shaitan all my life. I'm going to die now. Ya Allah, protect me from the mischief of shaitan. Right? So they, when, when a servant understands that shaitan is weak, uh, when, when they're weak, right, and they see the shaitan who's out, who's out for them, they have to go somewhere. They need some kind of, they need someone to go to, and that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They go to the fort of Allah, the masajid, etc. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's presence and he takes care of them. He, he's telling you, look, this shaitan is your enemy. Come to me, I'll sort you out. I'll help you out. That's number one. Number two is from a provability perspective. That if there was no shaitan, then this is very interesting. When people oppose Allah, right? Because they don't always fulfill the commands. They make mistakes. They oppose Allah, right? So in this case, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can say to them that you've actually followed my enemy. That's why it's justified for me to punish you if I need to. Because if there was no enemy, if there was no wrong, and a person went against something, then there'd be no concept of wrong. So it's essentially for there to be proof against human beings, right? For them not to be able to get away with it if Allah doesn't want them to. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ فَلِلَّهِ الْحُجَّةُ الْبَالِغَةِ Allah has the most far-reaching proofs, the most effective proofs Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has. Number three, this is a very interesting one actually. Shaitan can be your fall guy. Shaitan can be your scapegoat. Shaitan can be your excuse. Not before you do a wrong. Shaitan can never be an excuse before you do Oh look, shaitan's going to make me do this, so I'm going to do it. No, after we've fallen, after we've made a mistake, right? And after we've made a mess, then you take the shaitan and you wipe the floor with it. So the idea is 
that once we've made a mistake and we're sorry and we want to make tawbah, we can at least blame the shaitan. It gives you a bit of comfort. Human-like people, human, humans like something that they can blame. So at least shaitan is like a blame. And that's, I mean, that's another purpose. I'm not sure if, uh, you know, how, you wanna, how much you want to take these, each of these as a purpose. Some are obviously stronger than others. So that's a very interesting. Number four, Allah has given us something to struggle against. If there was no shaitan, in paradise there's no shaitan, it's all hospitality. But Allah has given us something to struggle against. That's our struggle. That's the way you're going to find out who does more than others. That's your point of con uh, con uh, uh, competition. That's your point of trying to make your effort and sh to show your effort of value when I struggle against the shaitan. So if there was no shaitan, what are you going to struggle against? Allah wants us to struggle in this world. That's the nature of this world. So basically shaitan is the one that you struggle with so that it can make you more distinctive. It can give you more virtue and it can provide that for you. So all of these are, there could be many other wisdoms for why shaitan has been basically put into this world. And wallahu ghalibun ala amri. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, uh, he, he's, he's dominant over all of his matters. I mean Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in full control. And wahu al-alimul hakim. He is basically the all-knowing and the all-wise and the great judge. I mean what else are you going to say to him? So, Interesting story. Shaitan, remember, has come in front of people. Most of the time, shaitan will never come. I don't know if anybody here, right, anybody listening has experienced shaitan like physically. Like shaitan, shaitan, not human shaitan. I mean shaitan al-jinn. Right? But shaitan comes. It's mentioned in a hadith. The, the, the Meccans were making a, a meeting about what to do with the Prophet ﷺ. They didn't really come up with any bright idea. Suddenly, there's this old man. And generally he's a Najdi old man from Najd, right? And he comes up with this really bad idea that, okay, everybody uh, uh, contribute, every tribe contributes one of their best men and then they'll all kill the Prophet ﷺ together, for example. So that way, if the family of the Prophet ﷺ tribe want to take revenge, they can't take revenge from all the tribes. So he has come in, in, in its mention in time of the Prophet ﷺ and later on he'll come in the form of something and try to mislead somebody. Right, whether whatever shape, form, or a person, or whatever. So now, you have a story about uh, Sahal ibn Abdullah at Tustari. Shaitan comes in front of him and he's laughing, he's giggling, laughing, smiling, whatever. Sahal says to him, "Oh, a curse one! What are you laughing at?" He recognizes him. He's like, "A curse one! What are you laughing at? Why are you laughing when you are somebody who's really messed up? You've confused so many people. You've become iblis and so on." And you've become hopeless, despondent. You have no hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. Why can you be laughing? It's trying to make him feel guilty or whatever, right? So shaitan says, Ya Sahal, you know what? I am a shay. This is a bit Arabic. I'm a shay. I am a thing. Right? I'm also a thing, just like everything else is a thing. Right? And Allah says, it's quite knowledgeable. He says, Warahmati wasi'at kulla shay. My mercy encompasses all things. And I am a thing. So, I should be receiving Allah's mercy as well. Can you believe it? And then he says another one. So, Sahal is an alim. He responds to him. He says that, But Allah says that I'm only going to decree this for those who are righteous. So, you are exempt. You're excluded. So, Shaitan says, How much taqwa do you have? What kind of righteousness do you have? How much do you have? Taqwa is a characteristic of a servant. 
and rahmah is a mercy of Allah, sorry, is a characteristic of the Lord, right? And how can you, who's a temporary being, be compared to the mercy of Allah? Like, what are you trying to tell me that Allah's mercy is not going to be given to me? Sahal couldn't answer him, right? Sahal couldn't answer him. There's, there's obviously ways to answer. Uh, at the end of the day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, la yusalu amma yaf'al wa hum yusalun. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to come closer to Him. And in these times, these are times of great reflection and thought. And what else is there that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us at this time, except that we get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What else is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us? What else is He looking for to turn this, this virus off, to bring it back to normal? Why did such a huge amount of change had to occur in the world where huge companies that were so strong they're, they're breaking apart people who make policies they're being struck by this people with money nothing's helping them so nothing is nothing is helping today it's all about just waiting 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 so what else is it that allah wants but for people to understand him. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah makes us close to him and grant us his love and occupies us with developing a relationship with him and the love for him. Allahumma rizukna hubbak wa hubba man yanfa'una hubbuhu indak. That's our dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so we can be sufficed of the shaitan. We can inshallah be sufficed of our nafs that will be helped in Ramadan inshallah. And we can be sufficed of the evil of people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will suffice us with that as well. Allahumma anta salamu wa minka salamu tabarak ya dhal jalali wal ikram. Allahumma ya hayyu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghith. Allahumma ya hannanu ya mannan. La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inna kunna minal zalimin. Jazallahu anna muhammadan ma huwa ahluh. يا أرحم الراحمين يا معدن الجود والكرم يا أكرم الأكرمين يا خير المسؤولين ويا خير المؤطين يا ذا الجلال والإكرام Have mercy upon us يا الله شاور us with your mercy يا الله شاور us with your forgiveness والله we are in need of your forgiveness we're in need of your mercy we're in need of your generosity والله شاور us with your generosity with your clemency with your forbearance والله with your compassion O oh Allah, with your forgiveness, especially of those sins that bring the misery in our homes, especially of those sins that have taken away the blessing from our lives, those which have made our lives dark. O oh Allah, those which have brought this problem upon the community, upon the entire world. O oh Allah, remove those sins from us. O oh Allah, we may not even know the sins that we are committing, which are so hated in your sight. O oh Allah, they, ha they may have become part and parcel of our life and we no longer even consider them sins anymore Ya Allah, give us discernment O oh Allah, the first condition of closeness to you is knowledge is beneficial knowledge O oh Allah, grant us understanding of the wrongs in our life and O oh Allah, what we need to do to correct the matter O oh Allah, help us and assist us help the entire Ummah O oh Allah, make us all feel that we must also contribute and we must also do our part O oh Allah, for us all of us are special in your eyes. Oh Allah, all of us are special in your eyes. Oh Allah, shaitan makes us think that we are nothing, that we're redundant, that we will not gain forgiveness, that we will not gain closeness, that we are insignificant. 
Oh Allah, remove this accursed shaitan from us. Oh Allah, remove his mischief from us. Oh Allah, especially remove his mischief from us on our deathbeds. Oh Allah, oh Allah, this Ramadan is around the corner. Oh Allah, we ask that you grant us this Ramadan to be better than any Ramadan before it. Oh Allah, that you allow us to enter Ramadan and be blessed right from the beginning. To start basking in your mercy, to become drenched in your compassion, to be drenched in your forgiveness, to come out of Ramadan like the days that our mother has, had given us birth. Oh Allah, oh Allah, make this Ramadan a truly changing moment. This Ramadan is going to be a special Ramadan with a forced i'tikaf on everyone. Oh Allah, this is in your wisdom, whatever your wisdom through this is. Oh Allah, grant us the best of it. Oh Allah, do not allow us to be on the, on, on the worst end of this. Oh Allah, this may be a punishment for some people, but for others it may be a source of mercy. Oh Allah, make it a source of mercy for us. Oh Allah, this loss that we have sustained right now is actually more beloved to us due to the rewards that we're getting and the status that is increasing of ours in your eyes than had we not had this problem. Oh Allah, thank you Allah. Ya Allah, we ask you for thanks. But oh Allah, we ask you that you relieve this problem from us. Oh Allah, we ask that you relieve this and you protect us. You protect our loved ones. You, pr 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 you protect the entire ummah. Oh Allah, relieve this problem from humanity. Allow people to reflect and to understand, to make this a source of great connection with you, to go back to our basics, to remove the indulgences from our life, to remove the obsessive buying and consumption. And oh Allah, the indulgences that we had, everything we had, oh Allah, everything we still have, oh Allah, allow us allow these things to not become a fitna all the wealth that you have given us oh Allah you've given us so much more than so many others in this world do not make this a fitna for us do not allow us to disobey you with the very wealth that you have given us oh Allah do not make it a source of burden for us make it a source of rahmah for us your prophet has said that how wonderful is wealth in the hands of a righteous person oh Allah make us that combination Oh Allah, make us that combination with, with all the bounties that you have given us. Make us among those who are constantly thankful to you, those who remember you at all times. Oh Allah, make us of your, of your awliya, those who remember you so that they can keep away from the shaitan. The shaitan will keep away from them. Oh Allah, suffice us from the shaitan. Suffice us with the halal, away from the haram. Give us pleasure in our halal so that we don't even have to look at towards haram to go behind the haram. Oh Allah, protect us and our assets, protect our iman above all, protect our children, our next progeny, our progenies until the day of judgment. Oh Allah, allow these masajid to be revitalized. Oh Allah, allow these masajid, today we're sitting in a near empty masjid. Oh Allah, this would not have been the case a month ago or just before that. Oh Allah, this must be some big plan of yours. Oh Allah, this must be some big plan of yours. Allow us to be successful. Allow us to be successful. Allow us to come out of this successfully. Oh Allah, relieve, relieve this problem. Bring back the masajid. Oh Allah, how many of a time in history may have this happened? Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask that you send your abundant blessings on our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That you grant us his company in the hereafter. And you especially protect us around these times with the various different thoughts and opinions that are being spread around. There is just so much chaos, so much un misunderstanding, so much misinformation because of the unprecedented nat nature of the calamity that we're in. Oh Allah, people are saying all sorts. Oh Allah, do not allow your deen to be disfigured. 
O oh Allah, do not allow your sharia to be corrupted. O oh Allah, allow us to make the right decisions. O oh Allah, we, some of us are in uh, decision-making roles. O oh Allah, we ask you for guidance. O oh Allah, we ask you for forgiveness for the mistakes we, we have made. O oh Allah, it's so easy to make mistakes in these kind of situations. Guide us aright. Allahumma hdina wa hdibina wa ja'alna hudatan liman ihtada. Allahumma wafiqna lima tuhibbuhu wa tarza min al-qawli wal-fi'li wal-amali wal-niyya. Wa sallallahu wa sallam ala sayyidina Muhammad. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifuna wa salamun ala al-mursaleen wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.